to this God-inspired message from Shofar Christian Church. We trust that you will enjoy today's message and that it will encourage you to grow deeper in your relationship with Christ our Savior. How would you suggest, what do you think, how would you install that all these concepts into small children? Yes. Because I feel that's one of the things I love about Shofar, starting with students, but I think you could possibly even start before that. You and maybe you can also help with that one. Um, how do you install these concepts into children? Because I've shared with a couple of people at the break four years ago, um, I had three grandsons, and I opened uh, an investment account for each of them for Christmas, and I gave them the sheet of paper. And the two oldest were decent enough to just look at it. The third one cried, and he said, I don't want a piece of paper for Christmas. So, yeah, how do you get these concepts across to to young kids and even to young people? Um, Elmarie, I, I, I read, a, uh, I listened to an interview recently on the radio where a guy was talking about, uh, it, was on a, it was on Talk Radio 702, so it was on a Christian radio station, but he was talking about instilling uh, 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 financial discipline into his, into his son. The son is like seven years old. And, and, and oh, by, by the way, this is a joke, so just uh, don't, don't look so serious. So what, what, what he did was um, he gave him 100 rand every week, and he had to obviously uh, uh, give away you know, a portion of that, but he made him pay rent and taxes for staying in his house. So... <laughs> Just uh, so the, the 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 pocket money should have been ten rand, but you know he gave him a hundred and made him have a budget to spend the rest, just to get him into the habit. Um, you now ultimately, you know the way I, you know, so I've got three children. Um, only the oldest is old enough to understand it properly. But you know the way I look at it is, it's like all other biblical principles. You know we need to we need to teach them everything, uh, and this is just another thing that we need to teach them. And the, it, it always in my mind comes back to um, his relationship with money. I need to teach him that. I need to make him understand that he um, can't buy friends with his money, can't buy happiness with his money, and and ultimately I I need to get him to understand that he needs to get his money to work for him. Um, So he's only seven years old now, but I already got him thinking about, you uh, uh, you know, what he would do if if I gave him 10 rand. What would he do with it? To increase it, I just want to, you know, so I'm trying just to get him to think about it. Um, so he came up with the idea that he wanted to, uh, he wanted to buy a pizza oven and rent it out at birthday parties. It was his his idea. I didn't I didn't have the heart to tell him that he won't be able to buy one with ten rand, but that's a that's a different story. Um, the, the long and the short of it is, we need to we need to just you know teach it to them like we do all other principles, and then we need to give them opportunity to get their hands dirty. You know, we need to allow them to um, make financial decisions, even when that's small, with their money, even if it's 10 rand. So what we do specifically is we give, uh, every child gets uh, a 10 rand, and we give it to them in 1 rand coins, so that they do have a 1 rand coin for Sunday, you know, and the rest, you know, they, I don't, I don't know what they do with it. You know. But I've, I've already noticed the different personalities. So the, the, the oldest one um, just spends all of it, the, the one just younger, who's now four years old, saves all of it by default. It's just their default inclination. So you need, you need to work with what you've got as well. So you know, there's, there's different things I need to teach, teach all of them. 
Um, but you know, once again, in my mind, it's it's just that don't underestimate to what degree they also watch you. Yeah, so I I can see them. Um, uh, it's you know, so, sometimes setting a setting an example is is better than telling them what to do. Hi, um, I I agree with you that we are a generation moving into a, in a place we're going to have a lot of money to give away. Um, and I think a lot of people find themselves in a position with maybe money to give, but they don't know where to, or, you know, that, that wise giving is lacking. You, you mentioned it. Um, can you just maybe expand on it a little bit, if possible? Yeah, I can expand a little bit because it's very personal. Um, the, the, the primary starting point is really church. Um, because there's checks and measures to make sure that we don't waste hard-earned money. Okay, because unfortunately, uh, community work is really abused. Um, I don't know, I've heard some stats on what people do with other people's money. So at least at church, you know that Philip does, is not sending half of the money to Switzerland every month. Because the financial board is transparent, okay, we can have access to the statements, and, and a lot of other organisations don't do that. Um, so wise money is always giving it to a, I would say, two things: to a primary need. So, um, for instance, okay, at church we make sure that the money goes to primary needs: hungry people, people that babies that might lose their lives um, through abortion. You know, there's a lot of organisations in, in that sense. And secondly, companies or organizations that use it properly. Um, so what, I don't know, what we do is to make sure that you know what their offices look like, that it's not people, if you get there, there's 30 personnel and only 10 babies. Um, or you can see these people are drawing large salaries off your money. So that type of wisdom, you just need to be very uh, aware that there are times where people s abuse it. And make sure it goes to primary needs. Don't take your hard-earned money and send it to, oh, I don't know, I can't think of an example now, but I've, I've been approached with requests for donations. We think that, man, if I need to spend this 100 or 500 or 1,000 rand now, there's somebody whose life I could literally change as opposed to just sort of, at this stage, the need is just too big. We need to make sure it goes to primary needs. I just want to add to that. I think the need is always going to be massive. Um, and, I mean, we could walk out and each one of us could give ourselves bankrupt by the time we get to my house just by giving to the needs of the people on the street corners. Um, just so, uh, in terms of the, the need, it's huge. Um, so giving, obviously there's the wisdom in giving in terms of organizationally just looking at the the corporate governance of the organization that you are giving to, or the individual that you're giving to, if you're giving to individuals, just making sure that there's transparency and accountability with regards to the finance. Um, but at the same time, I think it comes largely back to, to the stewardship principle. It's not my money. So I can't really choose where I'm giving it. Um, it's God's money, so I ask him where does he want to give it to. And I think that's something that we can't neglect Scripturally, obviously, there are some principles um, with regards to where would God have his money go. But I think it's important just for us to remember that. that um, tied into that, I think a place to start normally would be where your heart is. 
often in, in this sense, God stirs different people's hearts for, for different needs. And I think a, a good way in terms of the general direction of where to give to is what is, what is, am I, some people are widows and orphans people. Some people are education people. Some people are feeding people. Some people are clothing people. Some people are evangelism people. Um, all of those, there's merit in all of them. Um, and I think a good place to start would be in terms of where, where is your heart leaning towards? What need is it that burns in your heart when you drive down the streets? Or when you, what is that thing that, that grips you? Um, and I think that, that's a good, a good indicator of the direction that, that God would have you go in with his money. Just listen. Oh, listen. Um, I've got a, a story, a weird story. I told it once. Um, I, I parked my car at the Dross there in Atterbury, and I, dr- I wanted to drive away. And as I was driving away, I, I don't know, I just felt the Holy Spirit say, no, go back and give the car God, I think, 50 rand. And I'm, I'm not a big fan of, um, I, I tip the car gods, but I'm not one of those guys that always give 50 or 100 rand to every car god. You get people like that. And then they argue it's their tithe. Um, I don't know if you've heard that story. But, and I, and I rolled down the window and I gave the guy the money. And as he took it, I don't know what happened, but I, I burst out crying. As he took it. I don't know, it's the weirdest thing. And the guy was trying to push the money back through the window. <laughs> and, I, and I just drove away and I, was, I felt so blessed. And I don't know what happened, but it's just a, it's just a sign of, um, you know, God... God can do anything. <laughs> um, yeah, I think it's a, maybe a more of a complex question, but if you can just give yeah, a simple, maybe <clears throat> just out of your own life, um, just in terms of insurance and you know things like that, making provision for, for yeah, I want to say in a sense that things can go wrong, and what do you think is a biblical perspective on that? Okay. Uh, I, I'll allow Michal to answer the question, but let me just say that um, you know I've I've met people in my life who um, you know God have told them not to you know have, for instance, medical aid or something like that. Um, I don't think that's the norm. I think God uses medical aid insurance companies to protect us. You know that's that's my experience, um, and so I think it would be unwise. You know, it's like it's like not servicing your car and thinking God is going to just make it keep on running forever. It doesn't work like that. You know, it's, uh, so I, you know, I do believe that um, um, life insurance, if you've got a family and medical aid and just insurance in your car and so forth, it's just good budgeting and, and financial uh, principles. Just do it. Unless you know, an angel tells you not to. Yeah, I, I definitely agree. Um, so there's a natural and a spiritual side to it. So just make sure that it's not fear-driven. That's, that's the, the bottom line. So once um, a, a call center phoned one of our directors and, and they said, um, you know, what, what's going to happen to you if you die tomorrow? And if, what's going to happen to your child if a truck drives over you? And he was just hammering with his fear questions. And um, Jan just stopped there. He said, I mean, where, where are you now? He said, no, I'm in Cape Town. He said, okay, on which floor are you? He said, no, 18th floor, old mutual building. 
He says, I can't believe it. You sit on 18 floors that were financed through fear. And, um, you know, that's, that's typically how these people work. They, they finance fear and just make sure you don't fall into that trap. Otherwise, it's exactly the car example. You'll service your car. It's the same principle. But, yeah, and an antivirus on your computer, the same principles. You trust God and you do it. And many times it works out cheaper. Insurance works out cheaper than you financing that one event. Okay, good questions. Kalesta. Yeah. Lief ons iets sê. Ek weet dit. Nee, ek Net een kans gevat. Um, when it comes to giving, how is there any principles that helps us to look out for? Because there's a lot of opportunities to give in, I mean, friends, families, always needs, and to kind of filter it through because essentially you want to be wise about giving too. And I know you cannot outgive God and you need to rely on the Holy Spirit, but are there any principles to help us make some of the decisions? I'm going to speak on this specifically tomorrow night, um, but maybe just to, to give you an idea. I think something that we need to understand is when God gives us resource, He gives it to us for us to steward. We can't delegate the stewardship test. I can't say, God gives me a thousand rand. I don't know what to do with it. So, Michal, you do with it, whatever. Because God's going to look at that and say, I can't trust Him because he hasn't learned to take ownership of that which I'm giving him. So that to me is vitally important. That firstly, we have to take ownership of what God gives us, and we have to learn to steward what God gives us, so that, as we saw earlier, we can move to the place where he can trust us with the true riches. Um, I think to me that, that that's really important to get away from the mindset that God necessarily wants us to give everything. He wants us to give significantly, um, in wisdom, and as I said to, to Yaku's question, with where he wants his money to go. Um, and in terms, and so I think it starts by praying. It starts by asking, saying, God, how much in my budget must I put aside for giving? And just as an aside, when it comes to church giving, 10% is the starting point. Um, a lot of people see that as the upper bound. That, that's the lower bound. That's where we start. Michal was speaking about the guy earning a million rand a month. I'd like to believe that the guy earning a million rand a month isn't giving 100,000 rand to church. He's giving two or 300,000 rand to church because he's got the capacity to, to afford that. And I, I have a dream in my heart that as a church, we move to a place where we all say, I'm earning income to look after my family first and foremost, obviously, because that's important. But a large part of the income that God is sending to me, He's sending to me to empower the church to do that which He's calling us to do, um, collectively as a church, so that we move beyond this, this idea of, I'm going to make 10% here because I have to, and then I'm going to carry on with my life, to the point where we actually embrace the idea of the vehicle of church that God wants to use to establish His purposes. And we understand that we are that church, so let's all get together and make this thing happen. Um, but in terms of, of good common sense guidelines, I think the first good common sense guideline is to realize that God doesn't want us to give to every need. 
He doesn't want you as an individual to give in every, to every person who comes to you and asks. He wants you to give in obedience to Him because it's His money that you are looking after on His behalf. So the question is, God, how much of the money, of your money, that you have entrusted to me to look after on your behalf, do you want me to give to this person? And to make a piece of the fact that sometimes it's nothing. A lot of the times it's going to be nothing. And a lot of the time I believe we frustrate the purposes of God. Because God comes and brings... Um, now God doesn't come bring necessarily, but someone to use Dion's example walks away from the umbrella. And now we look at him and we feel so sorry for the guy because he's in this really hard place. And God knows he's in the hard place and God's been patient with him in his hard place and God's speaking to him about coming to the place of provision. And because we feel so sad for the guy, we go and we give him some money. And what we're doing is we're actually just making the situation worse because we're not, we're not helping God. We're actually frustrating the plans and the purposes of God. Sometimes it is going to be God say, yes, go give. And this is where we really need to trust the Holy Spirit. Sometimes the Holy Spirit's going to say, no, trust me, I'm working with this guy. And something is happening, just, just trust me. I know you want to give to him, but no, because it's not going to advance my purposes in his life. And we have to be open to, to that. Um, and that's why I think that the, the best guideline when it comes to giving is what is the Holy Spirit saying? Um, and with that, the multitude of counselors, there is much wisdom. Ask other people. Go to your small group and say, guys, here's my budget. This is how much I'm wanting to give. Talk to me. What, what do you think about... I mean, that's something I'd encourage all of you guys to do. Take your budget, go to your small group, and open up the Excel sheet and say, here's my budget. Let's talk about this. Um, and let's get this fear and this darkness that surrounds our finances into the light a little bit so that we can begin to walk in partnership and walk in covenant with one another because we can't do that as long as we're hiding it from each other. Okay. Does that sort of help? help? Thank you. Okay. I'd just like to add to that and say that um, you know, from my personal experience when you give to individuals uh, specifically if it's friends and family try to do it anonymously and the last thing you want is people to start becoming dependent on your giving. Now, that's a bad place to be. Secondly, once you've given to, to, to an individual or an organization for that matter, forget about trying to influence how they spend it. You know, don't try to keep a handle on the money you've given. Once you've given it, it's theirs. Right? Then you walk away. Um, there's something else I wanted to say as well now. Uh, oh, don't borrow money to somebody else. Don't or lend the money, sorry. Don't lend money to, to other people unless you can afford not to get it back. That's a very, very dangerous thing to do. As a matter of fact, there's a scripture about it. But yeah, don't, don't do that. Um, as a matter of fact, in, in some cases, I've, <coughs> I remember, excuse me, I remember our um, uh, uh, receptionist uh, where, where I work, you know, wanted to, uh, long story, wanted to borrow money from us. I said, I'm going to give the money to you and I'm not going to expect it back. Right, because if you can't repay it, then you know we are not going to be able to sit around the same table for a long time. Because you know we're always going to have this thing between us. Just take it. Eventually, he did pay it back, but don't fall into the trap of of giving somebody money and telling them that I need to give it back to you.
I think something that to me is important when you're working with, with people in financial need. Now, obviously, there's giving. Sometimes we're giving to organizations. It's not a need as such. We're just giving to help finance whatever they're doing. Often when it comes to individuals, we're giving because of a need. Um, they've run into some sort of financial difficulty, and they're our friends, so we want to help them. I agree completely with Dion that when we give, the seed must die. In other words, we let it go and with no more control of it. But at the same time, I think when it comes to helping people in financial need, good stewardship requires that we help them to help themselves in that sense. So we're not just going to say, here's 10,000 rand, go sort out your problem. Because you don't come, if you're in financial problem, there's a reason why you got into that financial problem, and you don't get out of it without a plan. So I think one of the things we need to do then is sit down with them and work out a plan and say, I'm willing to help you finance this, but let's work out a plan how to get you out of this problem so that we don't have the same situation three months from now. So I think in terms of giving individually, don't just give to people who are in financial need. Um, unless, obviously sometimes disasters happen. I mean, we had Ed and some two other guys, one other guy in the church and someone else, their house burned down. Now obviously there's financial need there. It's not a mess they caused. So a whole bunch of people clubbed in and said, well, let's just help them to get back on their feet. That's different um, when tragedy does strike. But in terms of just financial mismanagement, the vast majority of people, apart from tragedy, if you get into financial difficulty, it's because of financial mismanagement. And if we are going to help them out of it, we have to help them with sober financial management, not just giving them money. Um, what is the correct um, response to if you help somebody, because I've personally been in that situation, and you then suggest that we look at this together, and then they freak out. They feel you've got nothing to do with their personal business. How do you, do you then withdraw the money and say, sorry, then I'm not giving it to you? Or do you, what do you do? Do you recommend they see a financial advisor? What is the correct Christian approach then? Once again, you'd have to trust the Holy Spirit for guidance. I think as a rule of thumb for me, I don't give money until we worked out the plan. So I'd say, come, let's work out the plan. Before we talk about an amount, I'm in principle willing to help you. So let's put down the budget. Let's write it down. Because I'm not just going to give you 10,000 rand or whatever. Let's first see how much this need is. Let's establish. Let's work out the plan. And then I'll say, okay, I'm willing to contribute X amount. Um, so if they're not even prepared to sit down with you, do you then say the deal is not on? Then I'm not prepared to assist the financial <laughs> Yeah, I'm not going to help somebody in financial in financial difficulty who's not going to let me help them in their financial. That's my personal conviction. Yeah, they're just going to they wasted their money, and I'm going to give them my money to waste. And I'm not. I think that would be bad stewardship for me. If I have to, God probably isn't going to smile on me giving my money to the guy who's going to throw it down a drain. Yeah, absolutely. That that's that's the way I read scripture. Good. Um, finally. So what's up guys? Uh, I, I told myself at the beginning of the year I'm going to give at least 40% to the church or like as, a, as, a, as a tithing. And, but uh, ironically, 40% of zero rand is, is nothing. So uh, <laughs> um, No, but jokes aside, uh, um, 
neither me, because especially I'm a student in engineering, so I can't just go get a job or something because you're just busy all the time. Um, nor my mother have like money in excess. So then she said, okay, I'm going to give you a thousand rand a month um, and you must see how to live with it. But the problem is um, my facial products cost like between 600 and 800, like evenly spread per month, like sometimes 600, sometimes 800, like it stays there. Um, and that's like 80% of the money gone. Then uh, all of a sudden the, the car runs out of petrol and then the whole month's money is gone. And of course you need like general stuff like, like coffee. That's, that's like, it's really necessary. Um, uh, but, or some rice krispies or something like when in the mornings, like when you forgot to book for, for, for breakfast, you, you need, you need some basic groceries and, and, and that stuff. But then, um, just for like the most basic necessities, I don't even start buying like, I don't know, fancy stuff for my cell phone or something like that. Um, why, how does God see that? As in, like, uh, I am in need of these things, but I just can't tithe because there's just no money. Um, is God sort of lenient in that sense, or, or, or how, what should I do about that? Okay, just, um, and, and I don't have all the biblical support now, but what comes to mind is that we are not under the law. Okay, we've been freed from the law. So tithing is a great principle, but it's not a law. So the, the law of grace is um, supersedes the law of tithing in your life. So that's a starting point, is that you, you, you must be aware that you are free from that pressure to tithe. And secondly, um, we shouldn't tithe out of, out of a place of debt. So don't go and make debt in order to tithe. Okay, so your situation is definitely unique. What I would do in your situation is ask God for a way of earning additional income and then just tithe off that. Okay, so your situation is definitely unique, um, but just in principle, grace is above the law. And I think you can maybe put yourself in a difficult situation if you, obviously, uh, you must work with your conscience. If you know there's something, but you are saying now there's nothing you are using for, lux for luxury. Um, if you go through everything, there's nothing, then then that is that. But then you should ask God for additional income. I I, I believe that there should already be a solution. Um, God won't give all these principles and then lock you out. So there's probably something you need to just turn the key and then the answer is going to be there. But you need to figure that out. That's, that's all I know. If God gives the answer, there must be a, or the, there's a problem, there must be an answer. So just asking for the solution. And I, th I think I said it earlier. You know, God is you know God is not cruel, um, and He's not going to keep His blessings away from you. You know, if if that situation you're in, ultimately, and I I did say this. I think Philip said it as well. It's all about the heart, right? If if your heart is in the right place, and your heart is 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 um, uh, close to God, the God meets you halfway. Uh, the trick for you right now is to is to make sure you cement the principle so that when you get into the position where you can't die, it's not an issue. You, you just don't want to get into and, and that's why I think Michal is correct. You know, if, if 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 you know that you know that that is your situation right now, you know that's a season. You're going to get out of that season and things are going to change. Just get the foundation right, um, and 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 God will meet you there. Any other questions?
Hello. Um, I'm not earning anything now, but like Philip spoke about secure debt, like when we all, I don't know, like when you start working. So I don't know what is secure debt. I know like property is one, but like are there other examples of secure debt and stuff like if you want to buy a car, do you have to like have all your money there and give it in cash or can that be like a debt or something? Secure debt is simply debt that is secured by a fixed asset. So in other words, a car would be secured debt. In other, the, the, to me, the, the, the dividing line or such, that the principle is I don't want to go into debt that I can't liquidate immediately. In other words, if my financial situation changes, I don't want to be stuck with debt that I don't have the ability to pay off. Whereas if I have a car, which I've bought maybe for 30 or 40 or whatever, depending on what car you buy, 1,000 Rand, if something does happen, then I can immediately sell the car to cover the debt. Um, that's what we, that's secured debt. A house, theoretically, is the same. Ob obviously, depending on the value of the purchase, um, the value of the asset will probably decrease over time. Some assets, a car, just by the way, there is no such thing ever as investing in a car. You cannot invest in a car. Okay, It's an expense. Maybe if you buy a Bugatti Veyron or something. Yeah. <laughs> or an Aston Martin or something like that. But in terms of the way we use cars, don't ever see it as an investment. It's an expense. Okay, So that makes sense to you. Secured debt is debt that is secured by an asset. In other words, I can sell the asset and cover the debt. Um, whereas credit card debt typically is not secured. I go and I bought clothes and I bought food and 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 and, and now I owe 20,000 Rand at 20% a year interest. And now my financial situation changes and now I can't pay the debt anymore. So now they come fetch my stuff, but I don't have any stuff to give and that's where the, the problem really starts escalating. I think it's a, I think it's a similar question, but um, just biblically, um, the scripture that says, "You were bought with price; do not become the slaves of men." Regarding to business and going borrowing money to leverage the business. Uh, Basically, just with regards to business yeah. and going into debt to leverage the business. Yeah. So, so we look here. Um, it's a good question. The Bible uh, it touches a bit on that scripture. That, oh no, man, nothing. No? Which are the, it's radical scriptures. I think we need to be honest with each other. Not to borrow money to open a business. It's radical. Okay. Start starting point. So what I would say is come back to secure debt, make sure that that which you borrow, so people leverage, they take a loan and that loan is going to make them money, make sure that the loan you have, you have the equal amount of, of assets. Okay, so you, you need to top it up with cash that you've saved. That's how I would see leveraging, is that when you loan money, you should also put enough money in of your own so that you don't get into a position where you've got this 100% loan 
and something goes wrong and you've got no income. So it depends on the situation, but just make sure that you've got enough in that if something happens, your cash would sort of buffer you. Um, to not loan money in order to start a business, I'll have to think and pray about that. It's definitely not easy. The principle of financial prudence to me is a, a very biblical principle. Um, so I think in terms of starting up money, and, and here we must differentiate between um, loans that the company undergoes and private loans for, for business purposes. Um, and I think to place at risk your personal private well-being for the sake of your business, I think is very, very unresponsible, irresponsible, whatever the word is. Um, and I wouldn't advocate that. I know some of our very good friends lost everything, 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 everything. The dad had built up a whole empire in Bloemfontein and just going really well. And then some business deals went south and their family lost everything. Um, and that to me is very poor financial management um, because they'd taken out loans on their house, etc., 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 to finance the business. Um, so I, I don't think you should even consider um, leveraging personal wealth and personal finance towards business. Um, I think you must make a clear distinction between the, the two. As far as business goes, I don't know if you specific over was that your question more? Companies borrowing money on the company's name to leverage company company business. Um, business involves risk. So, so, so part of good stewardship is to make sure you've done your due diligence. Right? So once you've looked at the business case, you've made sure that you've covered all the, the bases, you've thought about it properly, you've consulted properly, you've brought in experts. Um, you know, there's some great businesses out there today that started based on, on, on you know, on some element of risk. You, you, it's not going to be a given from day one. So, you know, in, in my mind, you know, it's it's not clear cut, it's gray. Um, you know, even in your personal capacity when you start a business, there's ways of um, uh, just positioning yourself so that if if the whole thing goes, you know, belly up, at least, you know, you, um, you've got some recourse. You know, if, for instance, the, uh, a wife and a husband will split the uh, assets and, you know, they have the, the house in the wife's name. And, you know, there's ways of, ways of, 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 of doing that. But ultimately, you know, for me, the problem is not so much borrowing the money. The problem is, have you done a proper uh, uh, planning before? And have you made sure you understand the risk you're taking? And is the risk minimal? You're not going to get away with, uh, uh, from the risk completely. But just at, at least understand the risk. You know, you're not supposed to gamble. I guess that's the bottom line. Um, I have a question about tithing. I had a, um, a debate with someone the other day and um, whether to, to tithe before or after tax. And is the Bible clear about that or is it just a personal thing that you have with God? <laughs> that's, a, that's a very well-known question. Um, People love asking that question. Okay, the answer, first of all, is it's before tax. So you take your gross income and you tax on that. Ach, you, you tithe on that. Um, right, Raya? 
<laughs> okay, it's come now, Dalby. Okay, and there's a lot of scriptures. It's actually easy. It's in, in, in the foundation booklet. So it's quite, quite detailed. There's lots of... Yeah, and then the, the short answer is, do you want a before tax of, or after tax blessing? That's how you usually counter... That's really how you counter it. Why? Second principle is you can never outgive God. Okay, now I taught this principle like probably two years. You can never outgive God, you can never outgive God. And I never really understood what I was saying is that if you give too much, you're not in, in debt with God. It's not like you're giving too much, you've made a calculation mistake. Because at a stage, um, that cost to company thing, I had a bit of an issue with that because. Now I'm getting this benefit and the company pays for that and I wasn't sure what is my income because like we've got all these social clubs and food club at the office and this is subsidized and that is paid for. And then you're like, what, what do I tax on now? And then I just looked at everything and I said, God, I cannot outgive you. So I just take the best case, meaning the biggest amount and I tithe on that. And as soon as you realize that you cannot outgive God, um, it's the same as tithing is a very interesting thing. People like debating around it. But if you believe you are better off, off on your own with ten tenths than you would be with, with God with nine tenths, that's the real question here. Do you want to go with God on nine tenths or without God on ten tenths? So it really boils down to do you think you can do more with 10% than God can do with 10%? That's a question. You should ask her, do you believe you can do more with 10% than God? Because God's like the owner of all. Yeah, there's a little bit of principles there, and then that question is loaded with, with other motives. Um, now, before or after tax blessing. It comes down, just I want to add something there. It comes down to the question in that sense, how much can I give or how little can I give? Um, and I think if, if the question I'm asking is how little can I give, then I'm not giving with a heart that God wants me to give from. The question should be, God, how much can I give? Um, God, this is your money, and in a perfect world, I'd like to keep as little and give as much as possible. And I believe that should be the heart of all of us as Christians. How much can I give, rather than how, how little I can give? Is it then, sorry, um, if you then tithe before tax, sorry, then do you have to also tithe on your tax return? If you tithe before tax, it gets very complicated, after tax. Your tax return is on after tax money. So if you tithe on before tax income, then... then it's already tithed on, right? Then it's tithe-free income. Okay. That, that, that wasn't really what I wanted to ask. But do you, is it right for someone to tithe then on a, as a student then, on a student loan? Or let's say, say I had a student loan for 30000 a year, then that comes out per month. And then, or, or a bursary, which works in the same regard, just isn't a um, cost to you. A loan, I don't, I see no financial motivation for a loan being income or increase. Because I'm, I have to pay the thing back. So there's no income involved in a loan. So please don't tithe on your loans. That's just unwise. That's like me saying I'm going to buy a house for a million rand and now the bank gives me a million rand loan. Now I've got to give 100,000 of that to the church because I'm tithing. No, 
I've got to pay back that million rand. So it's not an increase that I've got. Um, bursaries, I'd, I'd see a little bit differently because that, that's an increase. So if, to me, my understanding of, of tithing is, um, and just as an aside, yes, I earn a salary from the church, but I also more than tithe on that salary. Um, the word tithe, just as for those of you not sure, means 10%. That's literally what the word tithe means. Um, I understand tithing as the first fruit of all your increase. So the question I ask myself is, is this increase? If it's increased to me, then I tithe on it. If it's not increased financially to me, I mean, I'm going to be radical now and for the, just say for the past couple of years, I've tithed on my birthday presents. Because it's increase. It's value that gets added to me, of which the first fruit, I believe, scripturally, isn't even, it's not like debatable, it's just not mine. Um, and part of what God would have me do is to just honor him with the first fruit of all my increase. So loans not increase at all. Please, I want to put that on the record. Apparently there's stuff on the internet going around that we say people must give up their loans. No, 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 not at all. Does that answer your question? One last question, then we need to wrap up. It's not a question. I'd just like to add on to that. Um, I, when I started working, I worked on, on basic salary and commission. And obviously on commission, there's a lot of tax involved. And it's something that I always like kind of sat with God and kind of struggled with what is the right thing. And obviously you want to give more than, you know, for the safe side. And, and someone once said to me that also the first fruit principle. And if you do it after tax, your first fruit goes to tax and not to God. And from that day, it really like just, it just made a switch in my heart. So that's, yeah, I think, just something to add on to that. Thank you so much for all your time. Thanks, Dion and Michal. for listening to this message from Shofar Christian Church. We believe that it was time well spent establishing God's kingdom and proclaiming His glory in your life. For more information, call us on 012-362-1363 or email us at pretoria at shofaronline.org. You may also wish to browse our website at www.shofaronline.org or find us on facebook.com forward slash shofarpretoria. Hear me.